Hello, and welcome to Talking in Shul, a roundtable podcast. I'm your host, Tamar Fox, and I've got Zahava Stadler joining us from Toronto. Hi, Zahava. Hello, Tamar. Wait, am I saying Toronto wrong this whole time? Should I be saying Toronto? I mean, I'm from New Jersey, so I'm absolutely no one's authority on that question. (laughs) Well, you're around a lot more people who probably say the word than I do. It is an N, but it's definitely a double N. Like people linger on the N sound. So it's like Toronto. Okay. Okay. It's like, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but they don't glide over it. But that is my my feeling as an as an outsider to this pronunciation. Got it. Okay. And Mimi Lewis is joining us from Somerville, Mass. Hi, Mimi. Hey, Tamar. Hey, Sahaba. Wait, now, am I pronouncing Somerville right? <laughs> I think so. You have me self-conscious. I'm sh- <laughs> if I tried to do a Boston accent, I would really just embarrass myself. <laughs> Great. Well, now that I made everybody a little bit paranoid, on with the show. <laughs> <laughs> You may have noticed that we took a bit of a break since our last episode. We're getting pretty busy. And so we're going to spend the next few months experimenting with how we can make the podcast a little bit more manageable for us um, and make it easier to make sure that there's a show every month. We would really love your feedback on the show. Uh, If you have thoughts on this or on any other episode, please send them to me, tamar.fox at gmail.com with the subject line talking and shul. It is mid-December, which means that the world around us is in full Christmas mode. This month, we're talking about how we do and don't want our Jewishness to show up in a world that's kind of obsessed with Christmas. Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this, but Mimi, I would love to start with you. What is your like Christmas experience and how would you or would you not like Judaism to be a part of that? So I have just, I have obviously have many experiences, but I want to just narrow in on one very strange one, which is that my daughter is 10 months old, goes to a very cozy, lovely home daycare. And I got a text probably a month ago from the daycare provider asking what size pajamas Nava wears and if I would want her to have a pair of holiday pajamas. I was in a work context when I got this email surrounded by other Jews and I sort of laughed and was like gaming this out with some friends and I came up with the response. Amazing. If you can find Hanukkah pajamas, she's size 12 months. So then, oh my gosh, that blew up. I'm getting, (laughs) I'm like fielding multiple text messages like, didn't mean to offend. It's this really small thing, but I've been doing it for years. And I got a photo from previous years of all 10 of the kids dressed up in elf pajamas. Adorable, but like, I don't celebrate Christmas and I don't want that. How serious was I supposed to take this? In the end, the daycare provider bought pajamas for everybody that were red and black plaid, which felt a little bit less egregious than elf pajamas. But let's be real, those are still Christmas pajamas. And then the party where everybody was going to be wearing their elf pajamas was this past Friday night. It started at four. So like technically, I guess a little bit before Shabbat. Interestingly, of the 10 families who send their children there, Four of them are Jewish. I'm the least observant of those four families. The other three 
are Indian and may not celebrate like Hindu festivals, but do not celebrate Christmas. So that's seven families. And then there are three just like generic Christian families. (laughs) So anyway, I show up at this holiday party. I will admit I wore a red and black sweater because I wanted to match in the photos with my daughter because I kind of love being matchy. (laughs) And it was just really weird. One of the daycare teachers dressed like Santa Claus and had each of the kids like sit on his lap while he gave them presents. And I just hate that. It's so weird. So weird. Fortunately, he's their daycare teacher, so it's, like, not weird for them to sit on his lap. Mm. But that's just a weird thing. (laughs) And I just, I I had to laugh it off. But it's, yeah, I I don't know, Tamar. I I felt both really grinchy about, like, not wanting this to be too Christmassy. But then it felt sort of like a personal insult to this provider who was, like, Really, I mean, she went above and beyond, got presents for all of these kids and does it from love, not like an expectation of anything. So I I ended up feeling pretty awkward and like I may have come across in a way that I regret. Have you ever been in that? Okay, I totally have. And I have a lot of thoughts. But before I get to that, is there a situation where you're like, this would be my ideal way for a like secular organization, like a school or a daycare or job, if it wasn't through a Jewish organization to like recognize my Jewish identity or just like recognize that there's such a thing as Jews in this time when there's like a lot of explicitly Christmassy things. I think it's really hard for that not to feel like tokenism. There is like one menorah hanging amongst all of the Christmas decorations at this daycare. And it just feels like silly. I I both appreciate the effort and and, like roll my eyes a little bit at it. I think though that at least like knowing when Hanukkah is amongst all of the holidays and being able to acknowledge or, or at least ask questions of like, and what do you do for like, what's your holiday? And like, what are your customs? That feels really impactful. I saw a work acquaintance who I probably won't see again until January. And I wished her happy holidays. And she wished me a happy Passover. And um, I kind of laughed and said, I don't know if it's early or late for Passover, but Hanukkah (laughs) is the one coming up. (laughs) Um, I don't know, like a little bit better than happy Passover and maybe not necessarily a menorah on the wall. That's my ideal somewhere in there. Love it. I guess I have a question about the the daycare issue, which is like, did you see the other Jewish families doing anything that made you feel like, oh, that's a good approach or like, ooh, I don't like that. Or did they just kind of like gloss over it? Yeah. Let's see. What did other families do? It was weird. We really didn't talk about it. The only sort of joke was... When the other Jewish families arrived, we said, Shabbat Shalom, (laughs) and sort of like shrugged and realized like, this is funny. Yeah, I think in part because it's a small space. So there wasn't really an opportunity for us to like pull each other aside and be like, how are you feeling about this? We just kind of all rolled with it. Okay. 
I mean, I think that is, I like to think about this from a, like, what if it was reversed? Like, what if your daycare provider had done, like, a really huge suit coat blowout and, like, invited the whole class and, like, the other people getting there would have been, like, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> this is a weird thing, but, all right, you know, we're game. And, like, I think that that slight awkwardness is, like, fine and appropriate. And I think that, like, my question, which it sounds like was your question, is, like, when is it appropriate to be respectful? And when does it kind of, like, tip over into being, like, I don't need to be respectful of your long-standing elf on the shelf thing or you know whatever it is like basically like where is the line of like being respectful yeah I have a lot of thoughts on that and I definitely think in this context it was like the power dynamics were a little bit interesting like it wasn't my workplace where I would feel actually like a little bit more like I need to stand up for my individuality is like I am employ her but it's all also happening in her home and she's welcoming me into her space giving gifts to my children so yeah I, I after pushing back against the elf pajamas I decided let me be respectful of of what she's invited us to yeah I think that makes a lot of sense I want to pull on a couple of the threads Mimi that you had there so one is the question of someone's private space versus public space versus space that's meant to be for you. So like, I think that you're, you're touching on a specific gray area where this is an in-home daycare provider. There's like an employment power dynamic, but it's also a person's home, but it's also a place that you entrust to have your child in their environment. And so that's like sort of difficult to categorize in a way. But normally I think of this as like someone else's private space if they're inviting me to it and I choose to be there, then like obviously they set the terms of that space. Right. So when I was living in Philly, my husband had a dental school classmate who was a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints. And they invited us to a home Christmas party that basically looked like Christmas in a pottery barn catalog. Like it was so (laughs) impressive. Um, It was like every element of the home decor had been replaced with a Christmas version. Like there was the Christmas sponge holders in the kitchen and it was just incredibly impressive. And we had accepted an invitation to be in someone's private Christmas celebrating space. And so, of course, we weren't going to be like, but screw your white elephant gift exchange. Like, we didn't really (laughs) understand the norms of it, I think. We were, like, a little bit, like, funny there. But we were kind of there as tourists in their Christmas, but it was their Christmas. Mm -hmm. If someone is in your space and tries to Christmas at you, right, and I feel this way in workplace settings sometimes... Then, like you said, I think that's some uh, a situation where you're empowered to assert yourself a little bit. And earlier, Mimi, you used the word like you felt grinchy. I have said that so many times when someone in a setting where I don't want to be abrasive asks me if something is okay, right? I was logging onto a Zoom meeting with colleagues and somebody was playing basically waiting music at the beginning of the meeting. This is a year or two ago during the holiday season. And they were playing Christmas music. And they sent me a private Zoom chat saying, is this okay? And I replied, sure, I'm nobody's Grinch, 
right? I, I think that that's actually a term that I call upon in these situations. But then it switched from like the fairly secular version of Christmas music to something that included the word Jesus. And suddenly I felt like I wanted to have deferred in that moment. You know, I'm sure it was just her playlist, but there was a difference, I think, between Bing Crosby and hymns. And then the space in between, though, it's the public space that I think is the biggest question. When you take your kid to a mall and walk past the Santa who's having kids sit on their lap, or the other day I took my children to a public health clinic to get their next round of COVID shots, and it was decked out with a very beautiful Christmas tree and garlands and whatnot. That is just meant to be a totally neutral public space with the kind of decor that would make people feel warm and comfortable. That kind of thing irritates me <laughs> because it feels like there is absolutely no recognition that this is not neutral content, that mm -hmm. this is not neutral decor, not neutral music, not neutral whatever it is. The sense is that Christmas is neutral. Yep. That's what bugs me. Like. If I choose to be in your space, that's your space. If you're doing things in my space, we could talk about it. But if you think you are creating a neutral space, it is important to recognize that you are emphatically not. And normally I just roll my eyes and walk past it because that's what it is to be a minority. <laughs> like, that's fine sometimes. Like, you, I think one of the big problems that Christianity is having in America right now is they don't know how to be minorities. <laughs> And they feel under assault just by virtue of not constantly being the very clear majority in every circumstance sometimes. I can have a longer tirade about that. But, like, I know how to be a religious minority in America slash Canada. And so I just sort of walk past it. But it rankles a little. I mean, not because I can't be exposed to your thing, but because nobody's recognizing that it's your thing. Mm -hmm. Is there a situation in which you would feel more comfortable about the about the kind of like Christmas in the public space if there was also an acknowledgement of Judaism in the public, pu public space? Like, does that help or does that feel weird or inappropriate to you? I don't think it helps me because to me, it is mostly just a reason to roll my eyes because Nobody ever puts Rosh Hashanah signs or Passover signs up at the appropriate time of year. They are much more important holidays, which tells me you are only recognizing Hanukkah because of Christmas, which just, whatever. I mean, I vaguely appreciate the effort, but pluralism and neutrality are in fact not the same. But I think it remains to be seen because my kids are too young yet, whether that will help me from a parenting perspective in a, in a different way. The fact that there is a Blue's Clues Hanukkah episode is helpful in the context of there being lots of Blue's Clues Christmas content. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit true, just because it gives me a space to redirect to. Mm -hmm. Just to bring back the in-home daycare example, when we first toured this daycare, it was around springtime, and the kids had all done a Last Supper-inspired art project. <laughs> So you knew what you were getting into is what you're saying. Yeah, I knew what I was getting into, but I do actually. Like, but you were also getting daycare for an infant. I mean, right. it's adorable to get infant art projects, but it's not like they understand even what's happening, much less that it's inspired by The Last Supper. <laughs> True. But I don't like I, I, I don't know. I'm flagging for myself as we're talking that I also, Zahava, feel like there's a difference between Bing Crosby 
and hymns. And I feel like there's a difference between a Christmas party and your child being sent home with Last Supper inspired art. And I just like, I do think that like the actual mention and depiction of Jesus is a place that I would like to draw the line, whether it's in somebody's home. I, I don't know. I just don't want, I really don't want her sent home with that because I have an older kid that I have to explain all of this stuff to. Well, I mean, I think tomorrow I want to put this to you in, in a somewhat different way, which is you've done a lot of deep thinking about where you had wanted to send your children to school. And I think that for me, the reason I can sort of roll my eyes about the public Christmas stuff is that actually my family and I occupy mostly Jewish spaces, right? Like going to a mall is pretty incidental. It's not like sending your kid to school every day. You know, because we live in a fairly Jewish area, go to a shul and send our older child to Jewish day school, it feels like those instances are like fairly few and far between and heavily counterbalanced by Jewish content. But if you are not sending your child to Jewish day school, you're dealing with a much different set of pervasive culture. And so I'm wondering how you're experiencing it right now. You know, it's interesting because my kids are in public school and we have really not had a bunch of Christmas stuff show up through public school. I know that that does happen in a lot of places, but in the Philadelphia public schools that we have sent our kids to, which is now four different ones, we have not had that show up in a way that really even merited discussion. They haven't come home talking about it. When my younger kid was in preschool, she went to the YMCA and the YMCA did like a whole, they like took them on a field trip to see the Christmas lights and they did like a holiday show. And one, I think I talked about this on the podcast years ago, one year my daughter's class like sang a Hanukkah song. It was a Hanukkah song I'd never heard of. And I was like, where did you even find this song? It makes no sense. And like one of the other classes did a Christmas song. So it was like somewhat balanced. Yeah, I, I have not had it come up as a like a thing where an institution has kind of put it on my kids, which is an incredible luxury that I feel very happy about. But they do live in the world. And it's very interesting because my younger kid is seven and talks a lot about like wishing that she was Christian because Christmas seems really cool. Like she's kind of annoyed by it, but also kind of jealous of it, which totally makes sense. And our older kid is like very eye-rolly about all Christian stuff, like super over it. And I have remember so vividly being in both of those places emotionally myself. And I have kind of come to a place now of being like, some of the aesthetics of Christmas I love. Like this morning we went over to a friend's house for coffee and like they had just put out their Christmas tree. And like, I think like Christmas tree ornaments are so awesome. And I wish there was like an, an opportunity for me to like gather something. They just like, they can have so much history and like personality in them. And that's what sukkah decorations are for. You need to embrace sukkah decorating. Oh my God. In place, like just with that same traditional spirit. I never, I mean, I decorate my sukkah 
but I never thought about using Christmas tree decorations as sukkah decorations. Zahava, that is brilliant. I am a hundred percent going to do that. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I mostly meant that like over the years, things can get other meaning. You can have your annual stuff. You can have the things that yeah. bring back to particular points and places in your life. Like Totally. But also like there's wooden beams, like there's no reason you can't have a bunch of nails in them and hang <laughs> the Christmas deck, the like ornament of your choice on them. <laughs> oh my God. This is amazing. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Zahava, thank you. For saving my sukkah. When Tamar's sukkah becomes a Pottery Barn Christmas catalog, we will all remember <laughs> Genesis. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I feel like the aesthetics, like, whatever. I'm never going to be a person who's going to, like, have a Jewish of any kind sponge holder or even, like, holiday kitchen towels or any of that, like... I just don't have that and I don't want it in my life generally because it's just going to live in the basement and make my life more cluttered. But I appreciate some of the aesthetics of Christmas and I can feel, you know, oh, twinkly lights. It's such a nice, pretty thing, especially when it's like cold and or snowy, like that kind of thing I do like. And I have kind of gotten to a place of being like, it's okay for me to like the aesthetics. That doesn't mean that I'm like signing up for Jesus. <laughs> so that's one piece of it. And I like have gone so far back and forth on Christmas carols, but like some of them are nice and some of them are like too aggressive, but like I can handle a kind of like low key Christmas playlist, but it gets to be, I can't remember what store I was in recently where it was like so intense and I was just like I don't know how anybody can work here for many hours at a time like it feels like being I mean it reminds me kind of of Simchat Torah which I no longer attended in shul where I just feel like everybody's like standing around yelling about how much they love the Torah in this like very tired way and like <laughs> I can't handle it and like I can't handle Christmas carols that are like that either. Yeah, so that, like, I, I am kind of trying to to split the baby a little bit and be like, aesthetics, I can recognize the beauty in them without, like, being a part of it. And I, okay, I I totally agree with you, Zahaba. I hate it when when people try and put Christmas stuff on me. Like, a couple jobs ago, I there was, like, an office manager who decorated the whole office for Christmas. And she decorated my cubicle like she de decorated every cubicle including mine with like Christmas stuff and I was like absolutely not <laughs> like I work for the government it's upsetting to me that there's even a Christmas tree in our office but like please get your like actual Christmas tree cardboard thing off of my cubicle like that seems I obviously it's not actually a big deal, but I was just like, come on, this is not who I am. And it takes like two and a half minutes of speaking with me to know this. Like, let's not do this. That is not my favorite, but I do feel like I, I do spend a lot of time thinking about like, what is the right way for my Jewish life to show up in this? Like, because I don't really care that much about Hanukkah. Like, it's fine. It's also can be aesthetically pretty but it's not like 
actually a big deal. And I don't, I don't actually like people trying to like conflate Hanukkah and Christmas because they seem incongruous to me. Like they're just extremely different. (laughs) And I, I think where I land is basically like, listen, if I'm going to be in a space that's really loud about Christmas, that's totally fine. But I am going to be very loud about Pesach when (laughs) springtime comes around. I recognize that there could be kind of like backlash for that and that some people are like not getting it and whatever. But I just kind of feel like both because I think it is important in these in public and like other kinds of settings to remind people that like there are minorities (laughs) hanging around and like you don't need to plan your lives around them necessarily, but also like I want people to be kind of poked by that feeling of like, oh, oh, we're not the only ones here. And unfortunately, like there is not a way to, that makes a lot of sense to me to do that in December that doesn't feel kind of dishonest. But I also think like all the better that people start to like, I am not going to make a big thing about Hanukkah, but you are going to hear me talk about Pesach for weeks ahead. And like just the way People talk about their advent calendars and their, like, cookie baking extravaganzas with their families. Like, (laughs) I will tell you uh, non-consensually about how many times I had to walk up and down the stairs to change out my dishes. And the, you know, like, I don't have a different sponge holder for Pesach, but my sponge holder gets sanitized. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, so that kind of thing is going to come up. And I do think it's mystifying sometimes to people, but I don't care because you know what's mystifying to me? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. (laughs) What the heck? (laughs) But I do, I I don't know if you still have this tomorrow, but you had in past years a pretty massive menorah in your window with the beer bottles. Yes. In your window on like the first floor of a pretty busy Philadelphia street. (laughs) <laughs> a street called Christian Street. <laughs> I I literally live on Christian Street with a man whose last name is Bacon. So I'm really, <laughs> I'm really living the secular lifestyle here. So I'll admit that I, um, when we came home from this holiday party, I was telling Daniel, I was like, I'm so stressed about all of these things and blah. And then I was like, I'm going to decorate for Hanukkah. And I went down to the basement and I pulled out these bins that I'd inherited from my mom and dad, like silver table runner and beads and a big box of dreidels and a big, I have a garland, not a garland, a banner of different Hanukkah cards that people have given us over the years. And I keep adding to it every year. So I have a little bit of that ornament Oh, that's cool. Because it's also like signed by, you know ever gave us the card and I feel particularly proud of a big box of kids books that goes back to when I was a kid Hanukkah books and we have this plate rail in our house it through the kitchen and dining room so I like put a bunch of Hanukkah books all around and it's been really fun this weekend my son being like let's read that one and so just getting to pull out those things and yeah, I I feel like that's probably enough Hanukkah decorations for years to come, but it did feel really festive. That sounds 
Really nice. I've never done Hanukkah decorations. I mean, there are places where it is normal to use twinkly lights for Hanukkah. Like there are parts of Long Island that are very Jewish where you will see lots of blue twinkle lights that are specifically intended as Hanukkah decorations. I've never done that. To me, it's got a little bit of a doth protest too much vibe. Like we're, you know, decorating in response rather than proactively. But I I think there is a Jewish argument to be made for it, right? Like a lot of Jewish holidays are very inward facing. Most Jewish holidays are very inward facing. They're either about yourself, your household, your Jewish community, Whereas Hanukkah actually does have a very important outward facing element. Like there's a reason we light menorahs in windows and can only light them during hours when people would actually be walking by to see them. If you're too late for anyone to see, then it essentially doesn't count from a technical standpoint. And so there is a little bit of like, we're trying to be public about this. And that's more part of this holiday than anything else, which is, I think, part of my frustration is that it feels like the outward-facing celebration of the Hanukkah miracle gets drowned out by the much brighter Christmas lights, rather than I'm going to go buy, like, silver Star of David garlands. It's more that I don't have a great way of making my menorah brighter amid the light pollution of Christmas. Um, so I think that that's a little bit of the frustration. Historically, I have also felt like Hanukkah is a relatively unimportant holiday and I wasn't out to try and make it rival Christmas. This year, as it happens, I gave a shear an adult ed class uh, for my synagogue for Rosh Chodesh Kislev for the, for the beginning of the month that includes Hanukkah. And I was casting about for uh, themes and topics and Mimi actually was like, Hanukkah is about miracles. You should do something about miracles. And I was like, oh, that is much better than the avenues that I was going down. So I did that. And so I gave a class called What Miracles Worth Celebrating, focused on the sort of questions about what we should focus on when we talk about the Hanukkah miracle. Is it a battle? Is it about the, the lights of the menorah in the, temp, um, in the temple lasting longer than one would expect? Is that really that big a deal? Come on. <laughs> and in delving into this question, I actually found some really interesting writing that convinced me that actually this might be more symbolically important than I've given it credit for. So if anyone is particularly interested in hearing me give that text-based class, I can put a link to my synagogue's YouTube channel in the show notes if anybody wants to watch it after the fact. But in the meantime, it did make me feel like, oh, I should be making a bigger deal about Hanukkah this year, which I've done. I've done nothing with that feeling. And I think part of it is that unlike biblical Jewish holidays, right? Jewish holidays that are like prescribed in Chumash as opposed to this, which is a rabbinic holiday. Right. I go to work. Like, this is not, you know, I'm busy. I can do other things during the day. It's not a like the clock stops, the world stops. I don't go to work. I don't check my phone. Like Hanukkah is actually a regular day with some stuff layered on top of it. Right. And that's what makes it hard for me. And so actually what I really want to argue for is, and I don't know if this counts as a contrarian take, but don't bother trying to make December a good time to be Jewish. Instead, embrace what you have absorbed from the culture about the notion of a holiday season being a thing mm -hmm. and import it to September. Mm. 
So I just think we find the fall Jewish, because indisputably the Jewish holiday season is not in December, right? It is in September, right. October, right. depending on the year. It's in the Hebrew market, Tishrei. But we are used to thinking about those things as individual, distinct holidays that because of timing and work and cooking and hosting and whatever your other commitments are, layer on top of that any sort of spiritual moral responsibility you feel to suddenly be a better person in the moment like they feel like mostly stressful I think and then oh but then I was able to relax and have some fun family time is kind of the best a lot of people can hope for and I think that there's a lot of people who struggle with Christmas as a stressful time as well but there's also a strong cultural imperative to think of this as a season a season that should have some feelings and some vibes and I think it would actually be more Jewishly valuable to import that concept to the Tishrei holidays, to the Jewish fall holidays, mm -hmm. and try and think about, okay, what vibes do I want this season to have? This, What feelings do I want to sort of be ambient in my fall Jewish holiday time? And I think that to me feels more useful than like, how can I shoehorn my Jewishness into being... Uh, into being an American in December. Yeah. I do also want to say I love Christmas Day and Christmas Eve because it's like, I don't have any obligations. I don't have any feelings about what happens on, like there's no stress on me on that day. And it also is just like a day where everything slows down. Like I am never, ne have never been an essential worker. So like, I always have the day off. It's like a very chill day. Like I am not even from about Chinese food and a movie. Like I don't, my partner like kind of really cares about that. And I'm like, I don't like Chinese food. I don't care. Like we can watch TV and order Thai or whatever. <laughs> um, and like, I just, I do appreciate, you know, whatever. Jesus, what has he done for me lately? Nothing. <laughs> but Christmas Day, a great day to just laze around in your pajamas and like hang out with your friends who also don't care about Christmas. Like that is a wonderful gift that the Christian hegemony has given us. So I remember hearing something similar from non-Jewish friends living in the Upper West Side about the month, the month of Tishrei, like <laughs> just like magically, there these they were days. Like, the vibes are amazing. It's like, so chill, no alternate side parking. Like everybody's walking around. <laughs> Probably work is off, or everybody's gone from work, and I'm just chilling. But Zahava, I really like, especially. I I think I'm so sensitive to the aesthetics of. Like, there's a reason that putting up these decorations, like, elevated my mood. And I'm always sort of aware of the aesthetics of the Chagim in September, October, whenever. But not and not really until Sukkot comes around. But I like the idea of, like, turning the holiday, starting the holiday season um, earlier. Yeah. All right. Well... We turned out to have kind of a lot of feelings about this, but I really <laughs> loved talking about this with you all. Um, and I'm so glad that we did. Um, and now we have come to our endorsements. So Mimi, what do you have to endorse this month? I want to endorse, I was telling you Wait. all about... 
I know what you're going to say. I don't know if you do. Is it Mench on a Bench? No. (laughs) (laughs) You're so close, though. Um, Well, no, so close. I went to a door. So I was telling you all about these books that I pulled out from my parents' Hanukkah bin. And I've been reading this book called The Animated Menorah Travels on a Space Dreidel. It's by Ephraim Sidon and Roni Oren. The animation, it's like claymation. Some of you might remember there was a claymation Haggadah. Mm-hmm. Is that? Okay. So this is the claymation Hanukkah story. And I'm embarrassed to say I have learned a lot from this <laughs> animated Hanukkah story. It does something that I feel a lot of modern or contemporary Hanukkah stories don't do so much, which is talk a lot about the fighting and the wars and um, the Maccabees. I feel like most of the kids stuff I read is more about dreidels and latkes and, and light, but I really enjoyed it. And I think more people should like check this out from the library or go find it on thriftbooks.com or whatever. I'll include a link to it. It's called the animated menorah travels on a space dreidel. Awesome. I would totally purchase that. I love the animated Haggadah. It's so, uh, yeah, I just like want to pull out Play-Doh too. Yeah. Um, Zahava, what about you? What do you have to endorse? Okay, so I guess I am still processing this as a post-fall holidays thing. But for those of you that do New Year's resolutions at the end of December, this may be timely for you. But as I've told Mimi and Tamar offline, I have been thinking about trying to find some kind of journal or set of reflection prompts or something that will serve as a year-long prep for the high holidays, something that's, you know, reflective and sort of self-evaluative and something that, you know, you might call a daily cheshbon hanefesh prompt um, in Jewish terms. And I've been trying to find a pre-made journal that has that kind of content. So I want to make a quasi-recommendation, but also this is falling short, so also request for recommendations, which is, it turns out there are 9 million things that you can get on Etsy that are, you know, printable, downloadable things. So you're sort of paying for the digital file rather than some kind of artisanal bound book item. But There is a seller called The Daily Edit Shop, I believe. I should have that in front of me so that I know for sure. We will definitely put it in the show notes so that I'm getting it right. And they have a huge range of journals, reflections, and also other things that are principles that are not like this, like your your dog grooming calendar and your, you know, weekly meal plan. But they have a file called The Life Audit Workbook that... I'm finding interesting, but at the same time, this sounds like such an old person gripe, but nothing I can find has any sense of universal morality. (laughs) 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 Meaning there's a lot of how to be your best self, who have you surrendered your power to, how can you be more authentic, what are you speaking your truth? And all of that feels like a very modern notion of self-improvement and not one that I don't appreciate, but at the same time, it's not really getting at the, 
for the Hasidim in the room, I'll say the Kutzker notion of honesty about oneself, right? The like, okay, let's be real. Like, in what ways are you falling short of the actual moral and character bar that Judaism wants to set for you? Mm -hmm. And I just have not found that tool. And I think ultimately it probably has to come from an explicitly Jewish source, right? This isn't something that I that I can really find on Etsy or Amazon, probably. I haven't like discovered it yet, but I also haven't found the right Jewish text. You know, there are plenty of things that are formatted as like a piece of learning each day, but not something that is prompting that self-reflection and at the same time is holding me to some kind of moral or characterological standard. So while I think the Etsy things are kind of as they are what you make of them and I can I can kind of take them in the direction that I want. I am also very much seeking recommendations from anybody who has an idea of how to find this in a Jewish or at least less moral relativist and less focused on personal actualization kind of way. I mean, it sounds like you are looking for some kind of Musar accountability group. And many of those exist. So, yeah. but without the group, right? The, the group, right? The the problem with the accountability group is that it, there's too much accountability in right. the sense <laughs> that it's <laughs> it requires time, <laughs> right? And it's a commitment to other people to show up, as opposed yes. to like fair, uh, you know, a, a personal daily prompt or something. And maybe the answer is there are no shortcuts for this thing that I'm trying to do. But um, if anybody has texts or other similar things that I could draw upon. Please let me know. Uh, yes, I also would love any shortcuts anyone has to being a better person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just really admire that you are so looking for <laughs> a journal to do this, Zahava, because I'm like, wow, I should be a better person. <laughs> Anyways... <laughs> Well, my endorsement is also an Etsy shop. It will not make you a better person, but it will make your sukkah more festive. Great. Right on theme. (laughs) (laughs) It is the Dove Abramson Studio. And I'm going to put a link in the chat and we will, of course, link in the show notes just so you all can see it. He has... A lot of, like, he has a set of Ushpizot sukkah banners that has different women from Jewish history and Ushpizot coloring pages and magnets and poster sets. And I found this, I don't know, uh, like a month ago. And I was so excited to order it because I have been wanting some sukkah decorations that are, like, feel more authentically feminist and we had like a poster of Ushpizo from Jofa um, but it got even though we laminated it it got pretty ruined in the rain so we had to throw it away and we just like haven't really used anything else since then and I just was I saw these and I was like heck yeah this is awesome I like this style of illustration and it's just like a cool idea and he also has a bunch of other like cool things in his shop I don't see it in the shop now, but I bought earlier this year a set of napkin rings that said Besamachta Vechagecha on them. <laughs> Again, like the nichest of niche. <laughs> People who want napkin rings, 
for their sukkah is like very very small group but i am directly in the middle of that of that circle and so i was very excited to uh to get them i highly recommend checking out the dove abramson studio on etsy and seeing if there's something he also has like beautiful mezuzahs and posters with like um keto shilvana on them and like cool things so worth checking out and just to circle back i double checked and the the etsy seller that had the life audit workbook was the everyday edit shop so just wanted to correct the record there all right well Thank you all for listening. Uh, and thanks to Jordan Daniel Mills for editing our show. If you have a minute, it would be really awesome if you could leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or let us know what you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. Again, we would love to get feedback on our new format. You can email me at tamar.fox at gmail.com. You can also donate to Jewish Public Media at jpmedia.co, which is a great way to support our show and make sure that we can bring you new episodes. Mimi, thank you so much. Thank you, Tamar. Sahava, thank you so much. Thanks. This was a lot of fun. It was so fun. And I will see you both next month.